Hello and welcome to the Six Pointer Podcast. Uh, I'm Luke Tyrrell and I'm pleased as always to be joined uh, sitting opposite a very tired Mr. Richard Thomas. Richard, apart from being oh, tired, how I'm, are you? I'm great. Uh, I couldn't be better, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I've probably got a, a fair idea of why, why you are feeling so uh, so top of the world, mate. Um, and obviously, it's, it's probably the, the agenda item that we'll start off on. It'll be Liverpool to uh, Tottenham. Well, where else are we going to start, mate? Champions, <laughs> champions of Europe, yeah. Liverpool. Congr- massive congratulations to them. And, and obviously, you had a, a bit of a journey yourself. You went up to Liverpool to watch the game, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, talk us a bit about, about that and how that came about and, and, and your experience, I guess, of, of, of watching the game in Liverpool, which must have been yeah, pretty well, special. I was originally planning to sort of, sort of just watch it local. Um, and uh, when my mate called me and he, he was sort of like eager to sort of go up to Liverpool. My good friend Eddie, shout out to him. Um, he was eager and he was like, you know, determined. So he, he found the room. Um, so it was like late on Friday evening that I thought, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to go Liverpool. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we trade with uh, like real early. We got up there about Took about three and a half hours, got up there at 11.30. Enjoyed the day. Well, you know what? The funny thing about it was, is as soon as we got up there, um, you know, we had to take a piss. So we went to a pub and people were just like already, you can tell, you could feel it. As soon as you got to Liverpool, you could feel it. What time is this? This is about quarter to 12. (laughs) So you Game that kick off to eight. (laughs) Game that kick off to eight, but you could tell, you could feel it in the city. As soon as you got into the pub, like obviously Liverpool shirts are out. And um, yeah, I just had a sense of anticipation, really. I was just thinking to myself, this is a big day. I'm in Liverpool. Um, this is going to be either really, really, really good or really, really, really bad. Mm. And um, yeah, so we literally, you know, got to our hotels, put our stuff down, end up getting tucking into a few beers. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we had about yeah, we had a couple of beers and some... Um, some vodka. <laughs> we were on the vodka. We were like, fuck it. We're going to have a good drink. But anyway, we got to the city centre about six o'clock. Right. And it was just something I've never experienced before. Atmosphere. Atmospheric, man. Like, just like around the pubs, uh, people were just like already singing, you know, about their lele song, you know what I mean? Like people were singing and... I mean, the flares were going off and this is like six o'clock. So I was thinking to myself, like, you know what I mean? Shit, what it's going to be like, like, if we win, like, you know, afterwards or whatever. So, um... Yeah, time goes by quick. We're just sort of like, you know, uh, my friend, he's got a friend that he works with. Mm. Uh, so we met him like, just outside one pub. And, um, you know, having, just having a real like, chat, like talking about sort of like, you know, predictions. Everyone had their predictions. I actually predicted 3-1. Yeah. So the only thing I got right was a two-goal gap. Can, can I say, I, I predicted two. Did I predict two? No, I went 2-1, didn't I? I went 2-1. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was yeah. going to say, I nearly got that right. But, but, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but I mean, the game itself, I mean, obviously, great atmosphere and place mm. for you to watch it. But, um, you know, 22 seconds in and, and there's there's the, 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 the penalty given, which is, you know, uh, I, I mean, you have to say, to an extent, fair play for the referee for being so brave to give the give the decision that early on but also you know was it really a handball you know I guess by the letter of the law it was but it was harsh wasn't it I thought it was harsh um, to be honest with you I, it's mad when I think about the actual game I'm going to try my best to like analyse it but I mean uh, the way it started was crazy the penalty was 23 seconds yeah. so I'm, I'm in this packed sweaty pub it wasn't really sweaty, but it was just hot. I can you imagine all the body heat? Mm. And like, literally just the kickoff gone. And can you imagine a penalty? It's like, oh shit, we've got a penalty. Um, it was harsh, it was harsh. But that's the letter of the law. And it's funny because that same referee was the referee that gave the penalty for May United against 
uh, Paris Saint-Germain knew that one that penalty was harsh as well I thought like, that probably was maybe harsh in this one mm. um, it's funny because obviously everyone interprets interprets things uh, as soon as your body leaves your as soon as your hand leaves your body mm. then you're running the risk yeah I, I, I guess. You know I, I mean? guess. I guess. As simple as that. The, the defense is that he was had his arm out. He was instructing. Things. He so was pointing just, to. The, but, so it's not. It's not as though he, he he moved his arm for the ball. But it's almost like you know. It's almost like a reaction. I mean, it's almost like you're. It's almost like he was panicking already. Right. Twenty three seconds in, you're pointing to a guy to like just do your job. I think anyway. I think it's harsh. But if you don't, if he's not pointing the penalty, you know, he, he doesn't give the referee a decision to yeah. make. Yeah. So anyway, the, the, yeah, uh, everything seems to take, take quite long, like for the penalty to sort of because obviously they do a VAR check, yeah, yeah. and everyone's like a bit of anticipation in the pub because everyone's like, oh, you know, VAR, VAR check, and um, you know, Salah Salah looks a bit unconfident. Do you think? Do you think he looked unconfident? I thought he, I thought he looked a bit. Do you think he was feeling the pressure, maybe? What do you think about this is a big game for him? Yeah, because yeah. last year he came off after half-time, so he, he was speaking before the game, talking about it's his, his redemption game kind of thing, like, you know, the game where he wants to put things right. And, you, you know, it was a painful um, experience for him last year. So for him to have a chance within, you know, two minutes to, to take a penalty mm. um, must, have been, must have been quite big for him. But, you know, he, did send, he scored a penalty to send Egypt to the World Cup so he's had pressure penalties before yeah. but the penalty actually wasn't that good it was like really close to Loris he was close it was power he, he said I mean I think in, in penalties I always say pick a corner or smash it and he chose, he smashed it he smashed it he smashed it down the middle but it was actually like I didn't think it was that close but when you see it when I was watching the replays again it's actually like really close to Loris' shoulder yeah. like but it was a power, so, power can't, keep can't react quick enough because it's too much too powerful for him to yeah, before he knows it's there, it's gone past him. So. Yeah, I mean it's one of them ones where if he doesn't die, if he doesn't die, he saves it. He could stand and probably just catch it. But it's keepers gamble, just like well, keepers gamble. I wouldn't say a penalty taker gambles because you go for what corner you go for. But he gambled. Salah puts it down the middle. So anyway, one nil up, and um, it's almost like when I was watching it, I was just thinking to myself, it's almost, there was a time where we couldn't go one nil up and just be content to say you guys have got to break us down now we couldn't do that before and I think the you know basically that's what we've done we kind of instead of going forward and trying to get number two we were like um, nice the onus is on you guys to now come at us because so it's almost like you, you you felt like you could sit and let, let Tottenham break you down because they had to score they had to come at you sort of thing well, you know, it's funny because it's, it's something that I've seen throughout the season where we've got a, like a, a mechanism now where we can go into defensive mode we won a lot of games ugly and that's you know for me what champions do um, so it was it wasn't the most prettiest game it wasn't the prettiest game I mean to be honest with you there was like between um that Salah goal and up to about the 60th minute, it was just scrappy. No one yeah. really created chances. Do you know what I mean? So, um, I think a lot of people said that that it wasn't it wasn't a great spectacle to be fair. But I think that's probably due to the fact that people's expectations have rise from, uh, sorry, have, have been risen from you know the two fantastic semi-finals that we had and the drama in those that obviously people thought you know Champions League mm. final it's got to get got a match or, or you know be better than the semi-finals and you know football doesn't work that way does it and and mm. obviously I guess t- testament to the way Liverpool develop the fact they can obviously sit back and allow teams yeah. to say come come on come at us and, and you won't, won't break us down um 
Whereas before, you know, in previous seasons, we've talked about this quite a lot around sort of Liverpool was very gung ho, and it was, you know, if we concede three, we're going to score four, sort of thing. <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly our was our approach, and we actually couldn't do it any other way. And and Klopp's kind of he's actually mentioned it previously, like when people said to him, like you know, why was why is the change been so dramatic to now you can go and defend, go and sort of hold on to a lead. As he said that, when he came to the club, his best players were attacking players. So he almost says, you know, you've got to use what you've got, what you inherit. And I think that's what he'd done. I mean, we just didn't have the players with the calmness to be able to just defend properly. So, yeah, so anyway, um, getting back to the game, it gets to about 60, 70th minute, and I'm thinking, I just want the final whistle to go. I'm, by this time, I've lost it. I've literally, like, I've not lost it, but I'm watching it. But I'm like... I, I can't. I'm watching it, but I can't watch it. I'm like, I'm just, I was so eager for us to just win it, you know. Yeah, I, I think uh, Top Man had a, a little spell where they, had, especially in the second half, I think you mentioned the 60th minute, and then and then sort of they had a couple of chances in the next sort of 10, 15 minutes after that, where they were sort of. No, they, 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 after half time they did come yeah. at us, and like they didn't actually create anything in that say that first 15 minutes of the second half, but towards the say about 25 for about 20 minutes they well they they actually end up having more position in the game as a whole but mm. for that for that 25 minutes Allison makes about three good saves we create maybe two chances one chance really good Milner sort of just goes past the post but anyway one thing that is significant in this game was the difference between having a certified goalkeeper who has like you know he's not going to make any mistakes and the, the it's not even just about his um, shot stopping, which is so impressive about Allison. It's more about his aura. He, mm. could, he, he, I think, he gives so much confidence to the back four. He's like, I've got this. Like, if if you not make a mistake, I'll I can sweep up. So he's like a very, he he was he basically was the the difference between him and having carriers of last year. So, so I guess, I mean, we, we, me and you have spoke before around sort of the, the confidence, as you say, a good goalkeeper it sort of inspires in their defenders and, and their commanding of the area. It does make such a difference from the team, especially when you're building from the, from the back, obviously. I mean, we've had it at Palace with, with Wayne Hennessy the last few years and now we've had Vicente Huayes who's come in and, and really, you, you can see that confidence in, in the defenders in the sense that once the keeper's got the ball in their arms, they can turn around and think, right, we can move up the field now. Whereas before, if they were a little bit unsure, they'd always have one eye on the keeper thinking, okay, all right, where do I need to be? What, do you know? Yeah, keep a little eye on him almost. Yes. So it's almost like they can literally just concentrate on their own game. And I think that's so important. I mean, Alisson, I knew he was good, but I think he's one of the best keepers in the world, basically. He definitely is. And that's what you get when you pay, whatever, oh, 65 mil. We money well spent, then, isn't it? Money well spent. So anyway, so to get into the last sort of 10 minutes, um, Tottenham have had like a... Uh, a couple of times, Alisson's made some really smart saves. I mean, yeah. his key, his, his biggest quality as well is making things look easy mm. in terms of like he's just in the right position. There was but that it, one from the Ericsson free kick, wasn't there? I think it was probably going wide anyway, but he sort of pushed it wide. Yeah, he pushed it, it wide, and you know, on a you don't know, another keeper might have took a step to the right and just like literally that could have ended up going in or whatever. But yeah. he's made the save. So getting to the last 10 minutes is really tense. I'm watching it, I'm just like, you know, obviously he wants to get through the last 10 minutes. Um, uh, and then Arigi comes on. Arigi cuts. I'm losing it. Arigi, no, actually, Arigi came on for Firmino after 60 minutes. Like Firmino, he done. To be honest, it was a poor game for him. Didn't he did, he, game, he did didn't it? have a good game, and he's been out injured, and the ball just didn't stick to him as usual. He, he wasn't really, he wasn't that pivotal guy he normally is. So anyway, Arigi comes on, and to be honest, with you, the first couple of touches he has, he has a chance to like play in Salah at one point. His pass is just not really. He, he's got to do better. And then there was another time for Mane again, his pass. So, you know, it was almost like it was the two sides of Origi. But like, great goal. when that goal goes in, it's euphoria. 
you could feel it in the public. It was celebrations, but it was relief as well. It was almost, actually, I wouldn't say it was relief. It was pure euphoria. It was like, everyone was going mad. I've never hugged so many strangers in my life. Literally, like, just going mad. I'm, I know my voice is not too bad today, but literally... Still a bit literally, horse, mate. Yeah, still a little bit horse. <laughs> Yesterday, I, I literally, like, couldn't speak that much. Um, but that goal, and it, it's a really good finish. Like, obviously... He was, wasn't it? He, picked, he proper picked oh, his corner, didn't he? Oh, a strike and a half. You, you couldn't have got it further in the corner if you went. No, you, and also from the range, strike. from where he was, you know, to beat a keeper like Larissa, who's obviously a really good, well-cast keeper as well, to, you know, to pick, find that corner, great goal, and like you say, that, that's it, and it's yeah, game and, over. and it's game over. And, and, you know, I think there's a lot of things that symbolise that goal as well, in terms of, you know, this is, this is why I feel like we've got such a special manager in Klopp, because he almost will give any player a chance like Origi was out on loan last season mm. could have sold him in the summer and he said no I think Wolves came in for him he said no he didn't want to go so obviously he's worked hard Klopp's seen that he's worked hard and he's ended up scoring two goals in the semi-final and a goal in the final like if you asked any Liverpool fan could that have been possible or would you even be thinking it everyone would have said hell no that's not that's not happening but um, it was just a special moment and just for Origi it was like He's really come back from the dead and been like that. He's actually like a legend now. Mm. He's a legend. Well, he's, he's written himself into Liverpool folklore. Folklore, the yeah. Liverpool folklore, and like even you know, obviously being now Liverpool, there's a you know, there's a couple couple songs, and the reggae gets like it. It's like he's just like Devo Carigi, like, like when um, the next day at the parade, it was just like going off, like everyone was. Well, um, yeah, that, obviously, but, you know, we're having a great night celebrating, obviously the 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 the. the, the the result and um, the emotional scenes we saw, obviously, with, with, with Henderson and the tears, with his, hugging his dad. I think there was a great uh, video oh, going yeah. on the social media, which was, which was fantastic yeah, it was to see, m- wasn't it? Massive. I mean, you know, so I've got a few more things to cut on and say, but I mean, like Henderson, for example, I mean, all of the hate he's had, even when he's been playing for England, you've seen it, you must have seen mm. it, like, all the hate he's had and, like, for him to lift that European Cup for Liverpool was just massive and I was so happy for the, 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 person, the, the player I'm most happy for is Henderson because I think he's always fought against his doubters and I think anyone that can do that has got like a great sort of strength of mind and like Klopp as well Klopp's given that belief he's like he's always believed in him and for him to literally lift to see Henderson lift that European Cup was just like it was just it was just a great moment you know what I mean I think for, for, for Henderson that is um career-defining um, and for all these players it's career-defining because if it went the other way it would have been like can we actually win a trophy can Klopp get, get us over the line there would have been doubts creeping in no matter how good you are if you do not bring silverware home eventually you're, you're you know uh, the, 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 the critics are there they're, they're ready to yeah. buy it. and that's what the stick they had to beat us with now that's gone that has gone well, we that, have yeah. that, that, I guess that's kind of a bit like the um the point that we made last week in terms of obviously you know Liverpool done so well in the league this year you know 97 points and not won the title it almost felt that given this season they needed that 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 sort of that silverware to justify you know this this performance yeah, so, so otherwise need- it would have been a not not a waste, but you know you would have felt there was there was something majorly missing from the season. You can't help it, you know. Waste is probably not a bad word. I mean, it, not a waste in terms of you just don't get remembered if you don't win anything. I feel like you know you could be the best side, but unless there's a big occasion, I mean, even even though the, the actual game wasn't the most glorious football, but it was almost like you know of of where we've come to now as a football team, we can actually you know we still attack very well, but our defence is solid now. We've actually become. I think we had the best defensive record in the Premiership. I mean, that's just crazy. I, I think now um, you can't underestimate getting 97 points in the league, getting to the Champions League final, winning it. I mean, 
I feel like it's all systems go now because going back to when we last won the Champions League, we finished fifth that season. And only because we won the Champions League, we got into the next season. I mean, this season, we're literally a really good team and we've added silverware. So I am over the moon. I couldn't be more happy. And it must have been part of the atmosphere, obviously, at the parade that you, you went to. And we all saw the scenes on, on TV with, you know, was it half a million or three quarters of a million people there? Well, it was like estimated like 750,000. That, that, that must have been an unbelievable atmosphere. And obviously to that, see to see Klopp and, and, and the bus roll through must have been a, a pretty special moment for you. I'm telling you that, that it, it was... Um, it was actually quite funny because there was this guy in the crowd and he looked like Mo Salah. He looked so much like Mo Salah that people were taking selfies with him. So when the bus actually comes by, Klopp's laughing, he's pointing at Mo Salah in it, and he's looking at Salah and Salah's laughing as well. Like It's just like it was amazing to be uh, at that parade because you know you've got people climbing up on uh, uh, traffic lights and, and literally up every... Say if you're looking, anywhere you look up, you'll see someone just hanging somewhere waiting for the parade. It was just like, <laughs> it was something that I've never, it was an experience was amazing. It was an amazing experience to be in Liverpool um, and enjoy it there. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, uh, uh, I've been buzzing the last two days and I'm still buzzing. And we are champions of Europe. And no one can't say anything for a year. Yeah, huge, huge, huge congratulations to Liverpool and, and obviously well done for you, mate. To make it into work today, I know that you had a, a long journey back from Liverpool and probably only got back to London and home about 3am this morning on Monday as we're recording. So, yeah, man who went to work needs to be, uh, needs to be uh, lauded for that, especially. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, Riding on adrenaline alone at the moment, I'm sure. Yeah, mate. That, that and not a coffee. Um, <laughs> all right, we'll have a little break then and then we'll come back to discuss uh, the rest of the week's action. Hello and welcome back to the Six Pointer Podcast. Um, we're going to move on now to talk about the other game in Europe this this uh, week. Was obviously the um, Europa League final between Chelsea and Arsenal. Chelsea fought Arsenal one. Uh, and Rich, you and I spoke about this because I know you watched um, the game with one of your Arsenal supporting mates. That it felt, especially for Arsenal fans, that was a, a very dismor- demoralising uh, defeat, wasn't it? I mean, t- t- obviously to lose any final is is, is it's difficult, but to lose it in, in such a manner by, by such a large margin in that in that in that game is is gutting, really, isn't it? Mm. I mean, credit to Chelsea, it must be said. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, like I say, I watched it with one of my friends in the in the pub, and um, it was funny because like, one side of the pub was Arsenal, one side was Chelsea. So you can imagine, like, I actually thought at one point, like, you know, there could be some right or something like that. Because uh, I mean, if I was an Arsenal fan, the biggest thing I'd be disappointed about is. As soon as they conceded the goal, all their heads dropped. Mm. It was like, there was just no fight there. I mean, that's the only thing you want to see in your team, like some guts, some balls, you know what I mean? Like, if you lose a final, giving it your all, like playing with, you know, like I say, guts, you know, you got it's a final. To get beat 4-1 in the final is just, it's got to be one of the most painful things it's ever. It's brutal. It's very brutal. And like, and Arsenal actually didn't start too bad. I mean, did, what did you think? Did you think it was a penalty? Uh, Lacazette, that one, you know that one. Pro, pro, uh, I don't know, mate. Pro, maybe, maybe just. Mm. I don't know. I, I think it would have, like, like we said about the the, um, the the penalty against Tottenham, it probably would have been harsh, wouldn't it? Um, but I, I don't know. Uh, that, for, that, me, that get, for me, maybe just. Did they get checked by VAR? I would imagine it, it would must have done. Been, yeah, but I mean, I just think to myself, you know, if you go past. If you go past the keeper, and even if the keeper touches you a little bit, I think it's a penalty. That's just me. I just think, like, don't get me wrong, if you, 
I totally play acting, like not play acting, but um, I think um, I think Harry Kane's quite good at that. He's good at winning penalties in terms of making the contact. But in saying that, if you make the contact and you go down, I think you you it's 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 an art form, isn't it? They, it's a bit they, of an they, art they form. They say that now, you know, obviously players do react in certain ways because they feel that if they don't react or show a reaction to the referee, almost almost play acting, but not you know, but not not you know diving, but then you don't get the foul. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what that's what it is. So like, I think yeah. maybe the, the argument might have been that the ball gone. You know, obviously t- t- touched the ball past, and it was was mm. going out of play, and then he you know got taken out. I, I don't know. I, I think if you're an Arsenal fan, you want it. If you're a Chelsea fan, you say no way. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, I just think to me, I'll say penalty. Yeah. Uh, that's what I think. I think you know he, he goes past him, he gets touched. So I think Arsenal are not bad in that first half, but like going back to it, as soon as Chelsea score, I think their heads just drop, and I Body think language. that's. Hmm? Body language of the Arsenal. Body one. language. Um, you can see a few sort of arms, arms on hips, sort of thing. And yeah, you're looking at that Arsenal team and seeing like, where are your leaders? And they really haven't got any leaders. Like, if you were thinking of Arsenal player that was a leader, who would you say? Um, well, they certainly not not in sense that the sort of the old school sort of. Uh, I guess. Um, Zaka to an extent. I mean, he's he's probably a sort of a tough tackling sort of leader, isn't he? Um, obviously. Czech is is, is is an experienced head, um, but no, I, I can see what you mean in terms of. Yeah, I, was, yeah, I think I look at the Arsenal team and I just think there's no release. But anyway, Chelsea, um, you know, went they go three and up with like, I think three goals in about 25 minutes. So yeah, and Arsenal yeah. had that, had that, that great. Probably the, the, the best goal of the game wasn't it? it was a Wobi strike. strike. Yeah, and they actually finish. fought. You know. Um, I think they they thought that it could be. I think even the commentators were saying it like, "Oh, this could be a possible comeback." Mm. Obviously, all the drama that's been in Europe, yeah. and then Hadzard just made it four one. It was like, no, yeah. yeah, not today. I think I think that's ain't happening. We said as well. It's almost like the hope that kills you, isn't it? Because they had that little little inkling, that little sort of chink of light that, that there could be a comeback here, and then it was automatically almost like it's a couple yeah, of years yeah, later. Yeah, that's, that's and only that's um, sorry to cut you out. That's only. What can happen? That, that can only happen in football. Yeah. In terms of the emotions football can put you through, it's just mad. I mean, like I said, I was with the like on the Arsenal side, and they did start celebrating like they. It, there's a bit of hope, mm. oh, mm. and then it was just Chelsea goal, and it was just like you tell the Chelsea fans celebrating, and I was like four one. That is a battering, and that is just like Arsenal really need to look at themselves, man. They're in trouble, I think. Yeah, and Hazard obviously signed off. Obviously, I think the, the, the well, well uh, documented rumours about him going to Real Madrid are probably mm. um, showed that showed some truth in his his post match comments. And obviously, it was sort of written for him. He was gonna, at least going to get one goal. But obviously, got the penalty and then his own goal as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, congratulations to to Chelsea. Obviously. Um, and I mean, what, did you, what did you think of you know like uh, what do you think of Chelsea? What do you think? What do you think of the result? Did you think it was like uh, like a fair result, or I think, did you think it was harsh? I think I, we were speaking, weren't we, during the game? And I, the first half was boring. Really, let's be honest. I mean, the first half was mm. apart from the, the penalty show, it was a bit much a non-event, wasn't it? Um, I don't I, think the stadium helped. And I, well, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there was all that, wasn't there? Obviously, I mean, the fans, oh, the fans that obviously made the trip there, the, the, they were so far away from the pitch. It wasn't a football stadium. It's a bit like. I don't know, but the first time when I visited um, West Ham's new stadium, the, the London Stadium, Olympic Park, yeah. it's not it's not a football stadium because you're so far removed from the game. I mean, all right, maybe I've been spoilt in the sense that I've been brought up watching Sellers Park and, and you're literally on top of the pitch. Yeah, it's like it's almost like similar to Anfield in that sense. I guess, yeah, when you've got a high elevation and, and you've got that proximity to the pitch and, you know, it's, I only appreciate it when I played a couple of charity games sort of uh, at, at Sellers in the last sort of 10 years or so where you appreciate how sort of on top 
the sort of stands mm-hmm. are. And what it must be like when you've got 26,000 people in there. But yeah, they were so far away and you got a feel for them, haven't they? Obviously, people took sort of days off work. And I think it was like a 22-hour trip, wasn't it, to get there? And obviously, there was the issues of the flights and there was all the, all, all the nonsense around the Mkhitaryan business with... with um, you know, yeah, him was, not being able to get yeah, there. Yeah, we saw that. we saw the videos on social media of, of, of Arsenal fans with Mkhitaryan and the shirt being you know talk, stopped in the street by police, and it, it's nonsense. It wasn't a great advert for UEFA, that's for sure. In terms, yeah, of I didn't actually see that, but that sounds ridiculous. Yeah, it was. It, it was absolutely. But you know, there's, there was people with Arsenal flags on, you know, mm. that was draped around their shoulders, and police were stopping them, asking to lift up their so they could check what was on the back of their shirt. Absolutely, oh, unbelievable. You know what I mean? Oh, that's another. That's a whole other. Podcast, yeah, we do. We won't get too much into that, but yeah, no, I, I guess it's fair to say that yeah, your wife haven't really covered themselves in glory this final in, in, in the staging of it and, and, and all the nonsense that went around it. Um, but yeah, there you go. Chelsea did what they needed to do, and, and, and congratulations to them. They are the UEFA Cup and Europa League winners. Europa cha- League win, yeah. Change, mate. It's, it's a long time since it's been a UEFA Cup, isn't it? Um, but obviously, on the day we last uh, recorded as well was, was, was sort of, I think it was the playoff. League One semi final, wasn't it? It was just before the Charlton Sunderland game. Obviously, congratulations to Charlton who managed to do the business on the, on, the, on that day. Um, and then the day afterwards was obviously the big one, the what they call the richest game in football. Richest game in football, yeah. 120, 120 million pounds. Aston Villa two, uh, Derby County one. Um, and I think probably Rich, if we're both being honest, fair result there. I mean, Villa really probably deserved it. Yeah, I mean, I think um, if anything, Derby lacked like a punch. You know, yeah. like I think. Um, I think we were speaking on the last time we spoke on the last podcast, sorry, uh, about Grealish. I think he's a really talented player. Yeah. And uh, Villa have just got more stature about him. I mean, if if you to ask anyone, you know, no no disrespect to Derby, but you ask anyone like who would you rather have in the Premiership, Villa or Derby? I mean, even this Aston Villa just sounds better. You know, I just I, I think Aston Villa are a Premiership club. The, the history they've got, their Premiership club. So well, I mean, obviously, no. Derby have got a rich history, especially in Europe and things like that as well. They're, they're another huge club, and it was they are two two big heavyweights, I guess, in the Championship. But yeah, I know what you mean in terms of the infrastructure behind Villa. You kind of think in terms of stadium. You know, the state is a great, it's, you know, going, going to Villa away is a great stadium to go to. I, I do like Pride Park. I must admit, it's, it, it was sort of built in the era of modern stadiums before they became soulless bowls. So it's still got a bit of character to itself and can carry an atmosphere. But no, I, I, I agree. I, with you I guess I guess you know where that comes from. I think like just like the last. Time Derby were in the Premiership, they were so poor that I just thought I don't really want him back in the Premiership. Mm. I don't know why. Like it's funny because we've got a player on loan, Harry Wilson, and um, I was Link watching with Palace him, actually. Nick Palace, yeah, mm. yeah. And I was watching him throughout the game, and he's all right. He doesn't look all right, but I mean, you can see why we've got him on loan because he really needs to. You know, anyone that comes into this team now, Liverpool team now, needs to make an impact. But anyway, getting back to that game, Villa. You know, yeah, congratulations to Villa. I think they, they, it'd be good to have him back in the Premiership, like you say, Villa Park. Like we've had some good wins there, so. Yeah, no, definitely. Okay, and, for, yeah, yeah it's certainly one that I'll be, I'll be looking at. And I mean, I don't do as many away games as I used to anymore, if I'm honest. Um, but no, certainly something I'll, 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 I'll be looking at um, sort of in the future. Um, and then we obviously we've got a lot of football happening this week, haven't we? We've got the return of the Nations League. Um, England playing um, the Netherlands on Thursday night. And then as a result on that, you know, we might, well, we will play on Sunday, even if we lose, because there's the uh, third place playoff, isn't there? And then, and then on, on on Sunday night, there's the actual final as well. Yeah. I um, mean, so what? It's a, it's a, I, I just thought it was literally a semi-final and a final. 
it's not, it's not that's what it is isn't it yeah so, so, last so, four, so, so, so there's two so there's two I, I, don't ask me about the other teams that are playing it but I've done my research it, it has, yeah, but I know yeah. England are playing Holland and then there's a chance we, I think I think it's favoured that we play Portugal in the, in the final if we get there um, but obviously England and Holland that'll be a good game given you know the, how many Dutch players have, have sort of come to the fore recently obviously you think about Ajax and, and obviously they've got a, a yeah. team list with, with young Dutch talent the light he's, he's, he's a great player and, and you know they've, they've got uh, obviously well they've got great quality throughout and certainly a team at a national level which is probably on the up again but saying that England themselves you know are coming off, off the back of a, of a very promising World Cup performance last year and have looked strong in our competitive game since um, it should be a good game and I mean I wanted to ask you what is your opinion on the game being so close to the end of the season like I feel like they've tried to have this sort of Nations League but it feels like it's almost uh a bit irrelevant to, like, I don't know it's like, I don't know where I don't know, I know, I know it, to I, me it's just weird it seems I, I, weird yeah. I know where you're coming from yeah, in, in the sense that you know this. I don't think it's I don't think the thing in the Nation League I don't think it's been advertised as well as it could have been done I don't think they've they've in sense of people understanding the format of it I mean uh, how it works what it means you know in terms of your coefficient rankings and things like that um, but I mean I think I, I, I listened to an interview with Harry Kane sort of a few months back when in one of these Nation League games um, before the game and he was saying look no matter what it's silverware and England as a, as a, as a nation haven't won anything since 1960 so even if they win the Nations League it's still it's still something to put an accolade to put to their name isn't it and something to, to, to almost build on as a base going forward so and also that I mean this this not denied there's certainly a feel good factor around watching England now I mean a couple of years back I wouldn't have been bothered you know I, I think I fell out of love with the sort of watching international football but now uh, I think Southgate's obviously had the bouncers, and he's brought through a few young players, and it will be a tough. I, I think it will be. Uh, this will be sort of like what where we see Southgate's metal here is in the sense that I think he had the bounce. He brought for the young players, and now how he integrates it and, and sort of moves the moves the team forward because everyone's expectations were so low when he came in. Yeah. it's almost like he could have done whatever. So the fact yeah. that he's he's risen people's expectations again. It's probably a bit more of a challenging period for him, isn't it? Well, you know, I just think, you know, when you're watching England, you want to see, for some reason, England have always had this thing where we struggle to pass the ball, basically. Like, we, like you know, like you say, you fell out of love with watching international football, maybe watching England, I suppose, mm. you meant more, yeah? Yeah. Um, I used to watch England and think, you guys look like you're just, you look so much like strangers. I mean, even their golden era that they had, they still never really could pass the ball. I mean, what has excited me about watching um, Southgate's England is that he's actually looks like he's tr like they're training together. They look comfortable on the ball. Like I feel like uh, I love the way he's not picking. Um, he's not picking the players that are just at the top clubs. He's not doing any of that. He's actually building a team. It's like you could be, you know, I think uh, like Lingard didn't get in a squad. Like you know, no, didn't, no. you know, and before back in the day, just him being at United. I suppose United have fallen now. Like they're not, they're nowhere near what they were before. I would say. But it used to be a thing that I used to think almost like the media would pick the England squad. Mm. And it just wouldn't make sense. It would be like, why is he in the squad? Like, what has he done? But it's almost like his name and almost getting players together, like the best players, and trying to fit him in a system instead of getting the correct players to play in the system. So well, I think that's what Southgate's done the best for me. I'm like, yeah, this guy is like, he's, he's not messing about. Well, on that point, wasn't it, was it the Japan World Cup where was it Rio Ferdinand, he had played for X amount of months and then all of a sudden he got picked for England because he was Rio Ferdinand, obviously. I think, yeah. I think that, that might have been Japan or it might have been you know, before that. Uh, but no, I, I think, as I said, because he's worked with young players, that's perhaps given him a bit more confidence to go to 
not the lower leagues because we're not seeing. It's not. Been, let's be honest. We're not seeing Championship players play for England. But you know, you're you're, you're getting these younger players. You know, Hudson Doy. Obviously, he's not had much of a chance. Let's be yeah. honest. At club football, he's had fits and starts. Um, uh, Loftus Cheek obviously played last season with Palace, and he's sort of been a bit part player for Chelsea this season. But they've been sort of playing. Um, I think that bodes well. But like I said, I think. I really do. My my concern always with Southgate was that I never really felt he'd achieved enough to be England manager. If, if you know what I mean, because England course, manager got... is, is the highest accolade, isn't it? You are you are you. It should be as a an Englishman. You should be. You know, it, it's almost like playing for England is like your best moments. So being England manager is is you know. Yeah, you would you would think um, in most sort of countries of like you'd have to have done it at club level, like you've won the league. And then you've got the job because you've been so good, or you've you 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 know you've done really well with any yeah. team. But Southgate almost he got it after the Allardyce thing, didn't he? Yes. So it's almost a bit fortuitous that he got the job. But he's like, I think when he got into it, I think um, he wasn't he caretaker England manager for. He a was bit. under under twenty ones, wasn't he? And yeah. Then, uh, I think but when he got the England job, wasn't he like? I don't, didn't, I don't, he didn't get he didn't get the contract straight away, did he? I I, I don't think so. I, I, I'm testing my memory. I don't, I don't believe so. I think he may have had a couple of games and then before they got offered the position, uh, you know, full time. Um, but but I think it, it it a lot of people were sort of like I say, expectations were low because it was like, oh well, you know, we haven't exactly gone for a big name here, sort of thing. It's it's Southgate, you know, he's mm. bit like you say, people look to club achievements and, and silver and things like that. And I think what's Southgate's biggest achievement, I think he got Borough to a League Cup final and got them relegated. I think. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I hope you're saying. I mean, it's funny because I was, um, I had that same type of feeling with Southgate. I was just like Southgate, really. Mm. Like Southgate, you're just like not like you haven't really got like I said, you haven't really got no stature, mm. really. So I didn't really believe in him that much. But then after seeing just um, a couple of interviews where I thought he kind of spoke quite well about what he's trying to do, isn't he? he's quite pragmatic. He's, he's very down to earth. He's very calm. He's very calm, and I, you know, I just do remember him saying a couple of times that you know he's picking players that are like you know, gonna be like players that are on form. Mm. You know, you don't just pick the name, and I think that's what England done for years. And what I like about Southgate, I think he's got England playing a decent level of football. He's he's seems to be getting the best out of um, the players, the, the young players. So it's exciting times for England, man. If you look at it, like, I mean, they've got like uh, you know, obviously. Um, I mean, John Stones fell off a little bit at City, but I thought he had a decent season up to the point. I don't know if he got injured or whatever, why he came out of the team, but I do rate him still. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't get back in the team. I mean, company, you know, and that's not a bad player to sort of not be able to get ahead of. Um, but, you know, we've got uh, that one player I really like, is that Ben Chilwell. Mm-hmm. I think he's a, he's a talented, yeah, he's a talented player, left, back. left back. I mean, yeah, I think we were after him at one point, but I think Leicester quoted us something crazy. That's the rumour anyway. Mm. But I can see why we was after him, because he's mm. really good. You know, you got right back. Obviously, you got young Trent Alexander Arnold. Um, he he's uh, made uh, history by becoming the first player to uh, at 20 to play consecutive Champions League finals. I mean, this guy's a serious talent. It's impressive. Serious talent. Um, keeper. Pickford. Yeah. Pickford. He's talented. Uh, you know, Pickford's talented. But this this, this is something I I. I... I pick, sorry, I'm going to have a little bit of a tangent here, but talking about Pickford, obviously he's number one, isn't he? And I think I don't think there's any chance of him moving his number one spot either, either Everton or England. But then I've seen that um, Jonas Lossel, who's the obviously the, the, the uh, goalkeeper from um, Huddersfield, and I think he's a very good goalkeeper. Apparently he's going to go to Everton now. And you just think that 
as a player, uh, you know, who, who's you know in their prime and, and sort of especially as a goalkeeper approaching that sort of age, it's strange that you know you you have someone like that who goes to who's happy almost to sit on the bench. But sorry, I've got I've got not no no that's cool no no. But is that, is that is that like a certainty? Because I actually heard that we was after him as to replace him as a second keeper. Really? He's, he's like t- he's talent, isn't he? He's, yeah, like mate, he's, he's a very good goalkeeper. Really, yeah, I, 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 mean, I watched him in the Super League. He played for FC Midland for for a bit. Um, well, not a number of years back now, but uh, he was a very good goalkeeper. Um, yeah, yeah. No, on that point though, it's actually this is actually a bit like you know a bit funny because you know that Arsenal used to have that keeper called. Do you remember that keeper Stuart Taylor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know he he, he played was, for Palace on loan for a bit back in the early two thousands? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, but he has been at Arsenal, City, the Man City for a while, wasn't and it? another club. Um, I read this article on three six five not too long ago, but about a couple of months ago. But he's been like those are clubs' third keeper for about nine years. Mm. I mean, so it's either you've got it in you or, you, or yeah. you're not too bothered. I mean, we had this keeper who, um, what's his name now? He went to Leicester. Um, our second keeper, he went to, he's, he's back up to Kasper Scheichel. Oh, it's gone up my head. But um, he went from like, you know, he left us because he couldn't get in the <coughs> squad and he's gone like to, to Leicester to be their backup keeper. Mm. So It's obviously very difficult as a goalkeeper because there's only, there's only one position on the pitch. But I think... When you you've either got to have when you go to a club where you've got such an established keeper, you've got to have such amazing self confidence in yourself that you're going to knock that person off their perch, or you are happy just to sit, so just and, sit and be and wait, for, wait for your chance and maybe play in the league cup or, or the FA yeah, Cup yeah. and things like that. So it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, something else which I always touch on was it was we've heard this week that that from I think it's uh, the first of June. Well, that I means a couple of days ago, isn't it? Yeah, that uh, the new laws of the game that are coming. So this, it, I don't think there'd be any major change in this. Is, but this is things like where there's be a drop ball. Um, that you said to me, Rich, you didn't realise this was the case anyway because you you hardly see it these days. You never see no one contesting the ball. Yeah, they contest like a drop ball. Normally, it's, it's something which the referee just gives to a player, and, that, and that's the case now. That drop balls cannot no longer be contested. Um, which, which is which is obviously good. The handball rule was obviously we touched on earlier, and, and obviously it's it's one of the new rules coming in is that it will be given if the arm um, has made the body unnaturally bigger. So in almost like he's, I guess in that sense that penalty on on on. on of course, Saturday, it was a penalty, man. He, no question marks. He made his body unnaturally bigger because he, you know, no he did that. Marks, so I, I guess that's that's um, that's probably the other biggest chance uh, change. Sorry, the goal kick uh, rule change is that. Um, Players can now be uh, played the ball to within the penalty area, so a defender can be within the penalty area and pass it to them. Oh, so, well, can they? So this, this, oh. this, I guess, sort of breaks down that whole game you've got at the moment, where you've got where where players where keepers want to play it out of the back. Yeah. You always get the three centre backs or t- two centre backs, that you, and you get the attackers which come and sit on the box as well, obviously in the line. That will take that away to to an extent because now you've got um, obviously players within the box which which. Um, which uh, the goalkeepers can can, uh, can uh, and that's just from in. a goal kick. Yeah. Yeah, it's from a goal kick. Yeah, so, so the opposition striker obviously can't no, get into no, there. No, so just, oh, okay, just, so they can just play it short. Like that, yeah. that encourages playing out from the back. I like it. Yeah, and, and then the other big one, I guess, is that we we, we spoke about um, offline previously as well was around that no attackers can be standing within one yard of the wall when a free kick's taken. So this avoids you know you getting people jostling in the wall and trying to block the keepers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sight lines off. I guess you can still get that because they, they, but they just need to be a meter away from from the wall. Okay. Um, so that'll be interesting uh, to see how that how, how that sort of um, that that moves along. I guess uh, those are the, the main talking points there. Um, I think we have another little break there, and we'll come back and, and bring you um, some updates from the rest of the weeks. Yeah. Weeks football. Catch you in a minute. <laughs>
Hello and welcome back to the uh, Six Point of Podcast Part Three. Um, and Rich, you know uh, something which which is you know of interest to me is obviously the Danish Super League, and I've got a few, uh, quite a few Danish listeners as well. Um, so I just wanted to touch on the last weekend of of. of of action in the Superliga until it comes back in the second week of July uh, and this weekend was the weekend of the, the playoff finals so I guess you had the uh, Europa League playoff final uh, Bromby against Randers as well Randers were a team which were in the relegation round and you know I've spoke to you at length before about the format of this league and I think it'll be great to see some sort of uh, version of it uh, uh, you know in England to make it a bit more exciting for, for everyone else outside of the top six or seven. Um, it, it sounds mad. I mean, I was thinking like, you know, you were talking about the, the two-legged final. I mean, mm. what, what sort of thoughts on that? I mean, a two-legged so, so, that, so that's the relegation round, yeah. So that was um, Holbro played uh, Viborg from the, the team, the league below, and they finished second in the Nordic Betliga. Um, so they get to play in the final two legs home and away against um, Holbro. And... Um, yeah, I think I think it's great. I mean, obviously, it's fantastic, isn't it? The fact that you've got, I mean, obviously, the advantage always kind of goes extent to the away team, and you've got the second leg there. They always say like it's like a bit like in the playoff semi-finals, isn't it? You always want the the last leg at yours because if it goes to extra time penalties, you know, you've got your crowd there, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, I mean, say like are they they got like equivalent to like an FA Cup. They got they got yeah. the Danish pol- so, pol- the Polkan, yeah. The, is that just a one-off game though? What the Danish. Yeah, so like, is no, no, the Danish Cup is a, is a competition that goes for all leagues, all of the leagues in Denmark. So you can get teams from the third or fourth tier playing yeah, yeah. the Super League in rounds three or four, sort of thing. And it goes through to the final, and then the winner of that gets the Europa League space. Okay, okay. So okay. it's a bit like the FA Cup in that sense. So oh, okay, okay. So but it's, then, it's, it's but the then that cup. final is two legged. So, so the, the, the no, not not for that, not for the Polkan. No, no, that that's that's the, that's a one-off game. Yes. Yeah, so okay, okay, okay. Yeah. That's what I was more asking. That's what I was. Yeah. yeah. So that well, that was uh, Midgen and Bromby, and, and Midgen won that. Um, but no, yeah. So this weekend, uh, Bromby do in action again, and they they beat Randers four-two in the uh, Europa League playoff final. Um, and Randers are actually one-nil up at half time. And Bromby have had quite a, a difficult season. Um, you know, they've had a change of manager, and, and I think a lot of fans have not been happy because Bromby are a big team. I mean, you you know Bromby from from their experience in Europe. You know, you know them. As a name, at least, nothing else. Yeah, yeah, um, probably. You know, I know um, Thomas Brolin. Yeah, I know you mentioned that before. Yeah, um, but um, but 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 yeah, I think that uh, he, he's uh, sorry. Um, that the Bromby are a massive team, and I think that you know the expectation of the fans that they were sort of not performing um, as well as they should do. I think fans expect them to be challenging for the title every season. I think they finished fifth in the end, fourth or fifth in the end. No, I think it was a fourth. I think it was. Um, anyway, uh, they beat Randers four two, who actually one nil uh, up at half time, and then uh, Randers took it two nil up, and it was just an onslaught. Then Bromby scored four goals in the second half, and, and, and really well deserved. You could see the gulf uh, in class between the two teams once Bromby turned it on, which is often this, the way it is in these sorts of things. Um, and then yeah, we're just moving on quickly to the relegation playoff finals. So. Um, this was the second leg, uh, Vendersal versus Lingby, uh, that finished um, 4-3 to Lingby, 2-2 uh, in, in, in normal time, but on aggregate it was, it was 4-3 and that was a great game and Lingby are a team that um, you know, have got quite a rich history in, in Denmark um, and they came through uh, and obviously won that game. It's great to see that you know, Vendersal uh, will, will unfortunately drop down now to Nordic Bet, um, First division and Ningby will be promoted to the Danish Superliga, um, given the fact that I think they finished fourth or third or fourth. I think they finished fourth in 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 the um, no, it's third sorry in in the in the Nordic Liga. And it's great that you've got that. That that's if you think about that, that's the equivalent of uh, uh, Derby finishing third or, or fourth in the Championship, playing Wolves 
in a in a two-legged game to get into Europe. You know that that that's how how this system works. You know to put it into sort of English terms. I think. Um, so, say so. For example, so that team they could be in the second tier. They yeah. could beat the team in the top tier. Get into Europe, but then they stay. No, they wouldn't get into Europe. So that so that so that's um, so I was that was I was alluding to you know. The, the format before, but this is oh. this is just literally just a relegation promotion. Okay, okay. yes, okay. Um, so yeah, Lingby that won that, so they'll be in the, in the um the Super League next season, and Vendersil will be dropping down. Um, it's actually a reverse of what happened last season. This this game ha- took place, and and Lingby were actually relegated, and, and Vendersil went up. Um, and then probably for me was 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 um you know a great game was uh, Viborg um Holbrove, and that was two two nil to uh, to Holbrove and three 0 over. Over um, overall, but the star of this show was Emmanuel Sabi, and for people who don't know him, he's a 20-year-old um, American uh, winger, uh, and he scored a goal which was a real class. Rich, I know you've seen this, and I'll bring you in for your views in a minute. But it, it, I, I actually tweeted this that it was a little bit Wilfred Zaha-esque in the sense that he gets the ball out out on the wing, he comes inside past the past the left back and really out muscles him, cuts into there's, there's a sea of about three players in front of him, and he sort of kind of loses the ball a little bit, does a little bit of trickery and then sort of loses it, brings it back with a great little drag back and then just pokes it into the back of the net. Fantastic goal. Anyone can tweet, uh, uh, t- can look on Twitter and, and search for Emmanuel Savvy. I've actually got on my Twitter page as well, at Luke TYR if you have a look. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was Wilfred Zahayesk and, and he's a player which I think has really impressed this this year and someone who I think will go into a, a, a bigger and better things than no disrespect to Danish football than, than the Superliga. Um, but Rich, I mean, your, your views, I know you've seen the goal. It was a really good goal, man, from what I saw. Really like, he looked a bit Zaha-esque, like you said. Uh, a really good goal, man. Like, dribbling skills, like, he looks like he's got a talent. I think he got a bit lucky at the end where it sort yeah. of, like, he tries to roll it and it comes off the fence, it comes back to him and he scores, but he looks good. Mm. So he does, um, and certainly one to, one to watch out for the for the future. I mean, the Super League has got a, a habit of throwing up these these players, the young players. I mean, at the moment you've got Andrea Skov Olsen at, at FC Norgelands, who's uh, scored I think 19 goals this season or 21 goals it might be this season. He's only 19 himself. He's a winger, six two. He's he's quite a big lad as well. I saw him in the flesh back in uh, back in May when Eschberg played um, Norgeland. Have they? Are there any players from the Super League that's come through to go into any um, sort of European teams that you can? Or like I don't know players that have gone to I don't know, come out in Super League or oh, gone, oh mate, mate, definitely. I mean, to be honest with you, you look back at the history of Danish uh, players in in the Premier League. Have all come from from the Danish first league. Oh, so, yeah. so I mean, the Smykels. I mean, you've uh, got who's the Graveson, There was uh, Christian Eriksen. Christian Eriksen. Yeah, he, he, I think he played with Bromby for a bit. Actually, you think that might yeah. Um Yeah, you've, I mean, you, you, you've got a, a lot of players there have come through, and I think it's a good breeding ground for young players to really play a few games. We, we were speaking just in the break there around sort of you know potential transfer activity and you know this r- rumours around Wambasaka and if he's going to go. And my view was that obviously being a Palace fan, I want him to stay. Um, but also he's going to play week in, week out at Palace. If he goes to a big club like a Man City, he's not really going to dislodge Carl Walker, is he, for, for the right back spot? Therefore, he's not really playing as much. And what's important when you're younger is it development in terms of playing games. So it's it's all about the right club that you choose, isn't it? Yeah, I think Wambasaka should either stay at Arsenal or Palace. You mean? I mean, sorry. <laughs> Stay at Palace or like just don't go because there's no point in him going to a team where he's not going to play. But yeah. to be honest, I think he's that good that no matter what club he goes to, he could probably get in a right back slot unless there's some excellent fullback ahead of him mm. because he's such a talent he's got to play. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's obviously a transfer winner ahead of us, and we're a few pods in in the, in the summer which we'll be discussing the rumours and 
moves that do happen, and there's one that's come out today around potentially um, Kieran Trippier going to Man United, and obviously then that would leave a, a potential slot there that Wambasaka could get into. Um, but there's a lot of lot, lot of rumours going around, isn't there, floating around? And we were talking just in the break as well around Liverpool now and how they've potentially got more clout in the in the transfer market and how they can attract more players. It's difficult to think how you can improve a squad like that that finished on 97 points and did so well this season. But if you're not not, yeah. not improving, you're standing still, you know. So and of course, I think you've got to look at it. It's like Man City, they're going to improve. Like, you know, so you've got to kind of, you can't stand still. I think we've got like such a, a talented squad now that's going to come through and play. I mean, you know, got Keita who got injured in the season. Yeah. He's, he's had a full season now where he's been able to sort of bed in um, Ox coming back. Um, I think he's, he's like, you know, I think what Klopp does really well, he doesn't rush back players. Mm. So he's been fit for a long time now, but obviously we've been playing well, so he hasn't been able to get in the team. But a full pre-season... I say he, um, he's, he's a very good player, isn't he? When he's fit, he, he, he's a runner he, game. He's a, he's a, he's a, a very good player to have in your team. Yeah, I, I love what Klopp sort of done with him. Like, I think he does it with all the players. He sort of gives them a time to bed in. Mm. He, he never throws them in. Even Fabinho now, who's like our midfield sort of... He's, he's our defensive midfielder that plays all the time now. Um, he took he didn't actually start playing properly until like October, and we we bought him in August. So that shows sort of like the the uh, patience that Klopp has. So yeah. I mean, I just think uh, to improve the squad, I was just we're going we're going to need a few players. But. I was going to ask to put you on the spot. I mean, if you could think of two positions that you you need to need to improve in, where would they be in in, in the squad? I would definitely we need a backup for. Robinson, because Moreno is going. He's like he's just made too many mistakes. So you need a backup left back. Backup left back. So we need a backup left back, and I think we need a really talented forward that can play across the three positions. Who, like they can, they're more at a higher level of Salah and Mane because we've got sort of Origi who can come in and Origi. Nothing I can't. No one can say nothing about Origi now <laughs> after what he's just done. But I mean, we need another player who is going to be a real threat and like could possibly challenge. Marnie or Salah but a young player who maybe he can make an impact now but he's not like a a massive signing that kind of so not disrupts mar- the not a marquee signing so not, not, not a massive name you don't think you know, not you a can't, massive you can't, you can't name. see Liverpool making a marquee signing in the summer no not marquee in terms of marquee I'd go like Mbappe's a marquee well, of course yeah he's a player that's going to come in and start yeah. yeah someone like that no it's not exactly. I mean, mm. our front three is actually set. I mean, the only position, and it's strange because this this player is so like um, pivotal to how we play. But Firmino, he's really good. He does a lot of good things. But that's the only player I say like not player position where I say if we get another player who can maybe do a lot of what he does, but is more maybe dynamic, possibly, but. You know, I love Firmino. Firmino is quality, but it's going to be hard to get someone yeah. that's going to sort of be happy to sit on the bench for a certain amount of time. Well, it's, it's interesting. You know this is, I mean, I think I was talking about Palace's transfer window. For me, you know, it's about keeping hold of players, retaining the services of Zaha and Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I think that that's that that's what makes a good transfer window for Crystal Palace. And on the flip side of obviously Liverpool, in the sense that they've got, um, you know, now this 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 clout in which they can attract players. There's also the fact that there's a lot of players that potentially should put themselves in the, in the shop window now, you know, because a lot of players would have been watched a bit more now. And, and maybe players like Origi might attract mm. attention from another club who might come along and say, well, hang on, I can I, I can play you week in, week out, and you can be my main striker. Whereas at Liverpool, he's never going to have that, is he? 
That's a, it's a good, it's a real good shout. But I think it's almost like there's a reason why he wanted to stay and he didn't go. Mm. And I think that says a lot. I mean, he could have gone to Wolves. Yeah. If he wanted to, he could have said, you know what, I'm not getting a chance. I've been on loan last season. It's not going to happen for me. I can just go and play some football. But he obviously enjoys being where he's at and he wanted to work hard and get back into the team. So I think it wouldn't be a bit of a strange one for him to work hard, get back into the team and then leave. Unless he, maybe like you say, he could get offered from a really good team. But I think what he's done now at Liverpool, I think he he showed such good patience to not get really much of a kick before Christmas that I think he would be happy to be that backup in a certain extent. To a certain extent. I think he's really good at Rigi, but... I think where we, where are you going to go now? You've just won us the European Cup, but why would you want to go? I mean, yeah. you know. Well, it, it depends. I on think, I think why would you want to go? Right? Yeah, it, it depends, doesn't it, whether he's happy to play you on that second fiddle or if he does now. I think that's it. I'll put myself in the shop window and someone can come in for me and I'll play week in week. Now. I'll be your main man. Yeah. Now. It's almost like a club, like a almost like a Crystal Palace or a Newcastle or someone in that area, West Ham. You know, come in and say, look. I'll, I'll take you and, and you'll be my main man. Um, I think from, from Palace's point of view... Yeah, I was going to ask you, what's, what's uh, yeah. like, you know, uh, if you could pick maybe two players or two positions? Two positions. Um, for me, left-back again, because I think Patrick Van Arnold has gone unchallenged for too long. We've got Jeffrey Stuck. Who's your other left oh, Jeffrey Jeffrey, but he, He's been used more of a, a, a left-sided midfielder from this and done re- really well. And I don't think he's... Um, don't people, people have much confidence in the left back anymore but PVA sort of been unchallenged and I think his performances have shown that in the past um, and then well, it's, it's always with Palace it's always a striker you know I think that you know there's rumours about Benteke will he stay will he go um, I mean it's been interesting to see in the summer what happens with Alexander Serlot I mean if he comes back and as a, as a pre-season you know I've, I've watched him in the Super League and I like him uh, I like to see him given a chance I never really think he's been given a, a proper run of games at Palace so, so where did he go to? Uh, Ghent. He, so his old manager in, in the Belgian in Pro Belgium. League. So uh, Jess Thorup, who was the manager at FC Midland, he actually played sort of uh, left of a front three, and he played almost on the wing sort of thing, but high up on the wing. Um, and he's been playing there week in week out for Ghent. He done really well actually. Um, well, he, he scored three goals, but I think he's, he's, in terms of his just just him getting some play time, he's, he's looked decent. Um, he's obviously. Pl- He's a confidence player, so playing with a manager who um, you know instills that sort of confidence in him is important to him. Um, but also, you know, I think it, he unfortunately he got injured in his last game in, in the playoffs for for, for Belgium, um, for, sort of again in, in the Belgian Pro League. Um, so hopefully he'll be fit for pre-season and hit, hit the ground running because um, let's face it, in the Premier League you don't really get many chances, do you? So you've got to take them when they're given. So um, for him to get a run of games, I'll be excited to, to, to see. Um, whether Benteke sticks around. That's a big question. You know, there's all this China rumours and things like this around. But um, yeah, if you can keep hold of Wambasaka Zaha, that's a good transfer winner for me. But then we'll see what we can adapt, we can add. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. No. So I think the only other thing to, to mention on, on on this week's pod is that uh, a big shout out to a new podcast on the block, and this is a Game of Two Scarves podcast. Uh, I, I encourage people to uh, to go and check it out. It's um, my my mate Lee Usher and his friend Davey of. Here they are, Sunderland and Newcastle fans, respectively, uh, and they're giving a bit of an insight uh, and their views on, on football as well as their clubs. Um, you know, from um, from a, a northeast footballing perspective, so certainly one to look out for. And I encourage people. It's a big rivalry as well. It d- definitely is, and it's you know it's great to have that sort of dynamism. I think on on that dynamic. Um, uh, on, a, on, a, on a podcast you know you've got two rival fans bitter rival fans obviously yeah, well. they're, they're a couple of leagues apart now unfortunately for them uh, um, but you know it'd be great to hear hear sort of their views on, on, on football as well as their teams in general 
Um, we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Rich yeah, is going to go time. and uh, have a nap now. I'm going to go sleep. <laughs> uh, and we'll be back, yeah, obviously in the next week. Um, we've got plenty to cover on, including um, England's games uh, in the Nations League. So um, until then, take care. <laughs>